Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Greetings and welcome to the Centera Gold fourth quarter and full year 2021 results conference call. During the presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we'll conduct a question and answer session. At that time, if you have a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. If at any time during the conference you need to reach an operator, please press star 0. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded Friday, February 25th. 2022. I would now like to turn the conference over to Toby Caron, Treasurer and Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Welcome to Centera Gold's fourth quarter and full year 2021 results conference call. Summary slides are available on Centera Gold's website to accompany each speaker's remarks. Today's call is open to all members of the investment community and media in listen-only mode. Following the formal remarks, the operator will give the instructions for asking a question, and then we will open the phone line to questions. Please please note that all figures are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. Joining me on the call today are Scott Perry, President and Chief Executive Officer, Darren Millman, Chief Financial Officer, Dan Desjardins, Chief Operating Officer, Dennis Kwong, Vice President, Business Development and Exploration, and Malcolm Stallman, Vice President, Exploration. I would like to caution everyone that certain statements made today may be forward-looking statements and as such are subject to known and unknown risks which may cause our actual results to differ from those expressed or implied. Also, certain measures we will discuss today are non-GAAP measures. Please refer to to the description of non-GAAP measures in our news release and MD&A issued this morning. For a more detailed discussion of the material assumptions, risks, and uncertainties, please refer to our news release and MD&A along with the audited financial statements and notes, and all of our other filings, which can be found on CEDAR, EDGAR, and the company's website at centeragold.com. And now, I'll turn the call over to Scott. Thanks, Toby, and uh, a very good day to everyone. Thanks for joining us for our year-end earnings result conference call. Uh, As Toby mentioned, I'm just referencing the, uh, the summary slides that are available on our website. So just starting off on slide number five, just want to speak to uh, some of the key bullet points here in the top left. Um, 2021, it was another strong year in terms of the company-wide gold production profile. Uh, You can see for the full year, we finished with some 308,000 ounces of gold output, which was at the very upper end of our our guidance range. So a good level of performance from uh, both of the uh, respective operations. Uh, In terms of the third bullet point, just given that strong level of metal production, uh, in terms of our corresponding all and sustaining cost per ounce, I think it was, you know, it was a low uh, competitive $649 per ounce, and again, I just highlight that that was uh, favorably lower than our full year guidance range. Uh, you can see in parenthesis there just each of the uh, all and sustaining cost results at both Mount Milligan and Oxford. So I, I think underpinning a, uh, a portfolio that is certainly a lower cost quartile. Um, you know, the strong metal price environment that we're seeing in gold and copper, as well as our low uh, unitary costs, just in the fourth bullet point here, we had an excellent year. Uh, in terms of free cash flow generation, we generated some $178 million of positive free cash flow. And again, that was above uh, the upper end of guidance, so a, a favorable result. Uh, with today's release, we've also reported our year-end uh, reserve and resource update. And I, I think a couple of the key highlights here is we have uh, replenished our production depletion at our offset operational gold mine. And then also in terms of our Mount Milligan operation, uh, we have reported a, uh, in terms of our gold resources, we've reported an increase of some 1.4 million ounces. And in terms of our copper resource inventory, we've reported an increase of some 450 million pounds of uh, copper. Uh, as we communicated previously, we are embarking on a new technical study uh, at Mount Milligan, and we expect to be releasing that in the second quarter of this year. And, and one of the key objectives is to be uh, you know, uh, upgrading a lot of this new resource uh, into reserve category, which should underpin an extension in uh, Mount Milligan's indicative uh, reserve life. And then just lastly, the last bullet point, as we announced on Tuesday morning, um, was the uh, the exciting acquisition of the Goldfield uh, District Project in Nevada. 
and uh, I will speak to this uh, towards the end of this uh, presentation. But again, uh, an important development for Sintera that I think is going to underpin our organic growth profile here uh, in the medium term. Just referencing the, uh, the chart down the bottom, uh, the chart in the bottom left is Mount Milligan. You can see the full year result there. Uh, again, some $202 million in positive free cash flow, which is a, an excellent result. And then Oxert, which is the middle chart, again, the column on the far right, uh, Oxert in 2021 generated some $112 million of positive free cash flow. That also marked a, uh, an important milestone at Oxert. Um, if you take the free cash flow that we generated in 21, as well as the free cash flow that was generated in 2020, uh, we have essentially paid back the entire upfront investment of some $200 million. So this has been a, a great experience for us and, and a real success. And again, just want to recognize the, the leadership team uh, in terms of the results they've achieved there. Uh, just moving on to slide six of the presentation, just in terms of some of the key uh, corporate highlights. Starting off with safety first, uh, it was a good year uh, in terms of safety. Uh, Oxert uh, during the year achieved 2 million hours of lost time incident free operations. You can also then see that uh, Indarco achieved eight years, and our Thompson Creek Mine and Langlois facility, they each achieved one year of uh, continuous operations without a, a lost time injury. Uh, again, important milestones and indicative that you know, we're on the right path in terms of our pursuit, uh, you know, our objective for uh, zero harm operations. So again, just want to commend uh, the leadership teams uh, across the organization. Just in terms of the third bullet point, as we announced at the beginning of the year, uh, we have been engaged in negotiations with the, uh, the political leadership uh, in Kyrgyzstan regarding the, uh, the dispute over the Kumtol mine and, and the, the illegal seizure uh, of that operation. Um, you know, in generally speaking, the key aspects uh, in terms of what we've been negotiating here in terms of resolving this is uh, Sintero will be looking to relinquish uh, its legal ownership of the operation to, uh, to Kyrgyzstan. And in exchange, uh, Kyrgyzstan will be looking to relinquish uh, their 26% shareholding in Sintero. Uh, as and when that's relinquished, we'd then be looking to turn around and, and cancel those shares. Uh, in terms of the, the current progress, uh, right now with our respective legal advisors, where we're working on negotiating the, uh, what, what I would call the uh, global settlement agreement. And as and when that negotiation is finalized, we'll be in a, we'll be in a position to uh, sign that and, uh, and press release that accordingly. So uh, it continues to progress, and hopefully we'll have more news on that forthcoming shortly. Uh, just on the, the sixth bullet point, just want to again just uh, recognize Mount Milligan. Um, you know, Mount Milligan had a record year uh, in 2021 in terms of mill throughput. It was the highest level of throughput that we've seen. Uh, in the history of the operation. And then you can see in terms of the free cash flow result, some $202 million, that was also a record year in terms of being the highest level of free cash flow that's been generated uh, by the operation. Uh, just on the eighth bullet point here, third, third last bullet point, uh, again, I spoke to this earlier, but you know, very low cost uh, in terms of our oil and sustaining costs across the portfolio, uh, very competitive $649 per ounce. And then as I mentioned earlier, you can see in parenthesis, uh, the portfolio is certainly one that's showcasing a, uh, a first quartile uh, cost structure. Second last bullet point, um, we're expect, we're, you know, we are anticipating that a lot of this uh, strong production momentum is going to carry into uh, this year. Uh, we're guiding for up to 425,000 ounces of gold in terms of the midpoint of our guidance, and, and that makes for um, pretty compelling uh, organic growth. Essentially, we're expecting up to, 40, uh, expecting up to a 40% increase uh, in gold production this year over, over last year. And then in terms of the, the last bullet point here, that, that growing level of uh, gold production as well as the uh, sort of current metal price environment, we are expecting a, a corresponding increase in the level of free cash flow generation. Uh, this year we're guiding for up to $250 million of positive free cash flow. So that's going to uh, present well just in terms of uh, you know, the growth in our balance sheet and the underlying profitability uh, within the business. Just moving on to slide seven, just in terms of uh, you know, our environmental social uh, governance profile and just some of the key updates here. You know, as I spoke to earlier, safety uh, continues to be, of, of the, you know, to be absolutely paramount, and I, I touched on some of the, uh, the good milestones that we achieved in 2021 that will continue to be a, uh, an enduring focus here uh, moving forward over the course of this year. Uh, third and fourth bullet points, you know, we continue to uh, advance our, our various strategies and initiatives when it comes to uh, climate change as well as diversity, equity, inclusion, and making good progress in that regard. And then just the, uh, the sixth bullet point there, um, Sintera is a member of the World Gold Council, and, and we have signed up to the World Gold Council's responsible gold mining principles, and we're currently rolling these out 
and, and implementing these principles at uh, each of our operating and, and project assets and making uh, very good progress there and in very good stead to have uh, achieved full compliance uh, in, in the coming 12 months. With that, um, I'm now going to turn the call over to uh, Dan Desjardins, who's our Chief Operating Officer, and Dan can expand uh, a little bit more on the operating highlights. So, Dan, over to you, please. Thanks, Scott. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, please move to slide nine, and I'll start with the 2021 operating highlights. I'd like to start our 2021 operating highlights with a focus on safety. In Q4, our total reportable injury frequency rate, our TRIFR, was 1.89 due to a number of incidents at Mount Milligan and one more severe incident at Oxford where a contractor injured his finger. Overall, our TRIFR was 1.02, which is well above our target and has given rise for a need for even further focus on our visible felt leadership in the field. Two positive milestones, as Scott spoke to, in the year were that Oxford Mine did achieve 2 million work hours without a, a lost time incident. And then DACO, uh, having eight years, although on care and maintenance, still has a number of activities at site and had eight years in Thompson Creek and Langloff facilities, both went the year without a lost time injury. Sentara continues to prioritize the health and safety and well-being of its employees, contractors, communities, and other stakeholders as COVID is still with us. Just as other businesses, we are seeing stresses in our supply chain and on a couple of our small capital projects, but our people have been staying ahead and it is there has not been any material negative effect on our operations. On the production front, we had another strong quarter at our two operating sites, producing 91,197 ounces of gold and 17 million pounds of copper at an all-in sustaining cost on a byproduct credit uh, from continuing operations of $591 per ounce sold. On a full year, gold ounce production came in, at, as Scott indicated, 308,141 ounces, which is right at the top end of guidance, with our copper production coming in at 73.3 million pounds in the middle of our guidance. Our gold production costs were very competitive, $604 per ounce at the bottom end of guidance, uh, uh, which was 600 to $650 per ounce. And this was due to uh, the increase in the ounce production and strong cost controls. For 2021, our all-in sustaining cost on a byproduct uh, basis from continuing operations came in at the 649 with Mount Milligan, a very low $508 per ounce with the strong copper credits and Oxford at $668 per ounce. Please go to slide 10, and we'll specifically look at Mount Milligan. Over the past few years, we had a strong focus on our process water management. A very positive step forward occurred on January the 6th, 2022, when we obtained the amendment to our environmental assessment certificate to allow for options on our long-term water requirements. We continue to work closely with our partners on our permitting requirements, and environmental management plans, as well as licenses for occupation of the land required for pumping infrastructure. We will continue to construct the new stage flotation reactor, the SFR, but commissioning was set back due to the end of March, partly due to the supply disruptions, but also we had safety concerns during the assembly that created the need to change our contractor. Although this did set us back, we felt that we must act on all safety issues as this is our most important value. We completed the first step of the Mount Milligan Technical Study, which, um, which was taking our 2021 drill results and produced the optimal resource pit. The next stage will be convert the resources to reserves and produce a new Life of Mine 43101 Technical Study, which is on track for completion in the second quarter. As part of our new life of mine, we did complete nearly 40,000 meters of drilling in 68 holes. The assays were delayed, but we have now included all those in the resource update. The Mount Milligan team had a number of excellent production achievements under the leadership of our new general manager, Carol Fortin. Of note in the past year was the achievement of the highest throughput for the site since the operation began in 2014. 
In the table at the bottom, you can see that the recovery of both copper and gold are somewhat variable quarter to quarter. This is due to ore type, but both copper and gold recoveries were slightly better than planned due to the, a new grinding process control system. We are anticipating continued improvements in our recoveries with the commissioning of the SFR in late Q1 and later a new flotation control uh, system. Turning to slide 11, we will discuss Oxsuit's highlights. Oxsuit Mine had a very successful year in his own plan with mining in the fourth quarter. Uh, it felt to have a phase two and a higher grade zone four, uh, as well as in Gunnensepi. The higher grade output from the mine will continue through 2022. The exploration and infill drilling of 31,000 meters delivered enough additional reserves to cover the depletion for the year, uh, and this was with the success of planning, and we are going to do 40,000 meters in 2022. Oxud is now running very much steady state. Therefore, the focus is on productivity and efficiency, and thus we are putting out guidance that is a very competitive all-in sustaining cost for Oxud on a byproduct basis for 2022 of $425 to $475 of per ounce of gold. In total, we placed 195,990 ounces on the heap, of which 16,200 was unirrigated. We poured 1,100, sorry, 111,703 ounces, which was slightly above our 2021 guidance. Moving to slide 12, we can discuss a Mount Milligan Reserve and Resource Update. Mount Milligan was able to complete his drilling program and updated his resources with all the asset results. The new life of mine is planned to be released in Q2. Therefore, this update, we have just depleted the reserves. The reserves, therefore, did decrease from 2.1 million ounces of gold to 1.8 million ounces, and for copper, from 837 million pounds to 736 million pounds. We uh, did have a substantial increase, though, in Mount Milligan's resources, which has now increased in terms of gold from 1.39 million ounces to 2.7 million ounces of gold, and copper increased from 521 million pounds to 974 million pounds. We are taking all efforts to finalize the new 43101 in Q2, and that will take into account this large increase in resources. On slide 13, for Oxford uh, Reserves and Resources, at Oxford, we did have an infill drilling as we did do near mine exploration as well. The site was able to replace its throughput of 196,000 ounces with the additional 203,000 ounces, therefore an increase in total reserve of 1.13 to 1.14 million ounces. Oxford resources also increased slightly from 230,000 ounces to 283,000 ounces with an average grade drop though of 0.66 grams per ton to 0.50. This is due to the cutoff grade reduction of 0.20 grams per ton to 1.6 grams per ton. Moving to slide 2022 in terms of guidance outlook, for 2022, our consolidated gold production range is between 400 and 450,000 ounces, Mount Milligan being 190,000 ounces to 210, and Oxford from 210,000 ounces to 240,000 ounces. For copper, Mount Milligan is targeting to produce between 70 and 80 million pounds. For our consolidated gold production cost guidance for 2022, that will be between 500 and $550 per ounce with an all-in sustaining cost on a byproduct basis, we are guiding a very competitive $600 to $650 per ounce. Milligan's all-in sustaining guidance within that is $575 to $625, and Oxsuit, with the higher production, is looking guiding $425 to $475 per ounce. Moving to slide 15 for 2022, we are guiding a total capital expenditure of 95 to $105 million, of which sustaining capital is the majority coming in at 90 to $100 million. The non-sustaining capital of only $5 million is a carry forward from 2021 to complete the stage flotation reactor at Mount Milligan. 
Of note, we are looking to spend between 35 and 45 million in exploration, including exploration at Mount Milligan of 12 million and Oxford of 5 million. Additionally, in regards to the newly acquired Goldfield District project, the company expects to incur 15 to 20 million in relation to the exploration activities at the project in 2022. Overall, Centera is guiding a strong free cash flow of 200 to 250 million at a gold price of $1,700 per ounce and a copper price of $4 per pound. With that, I'll pass it over to Darren, our CFO, to review our fourth quarter and 2021 financial results. Thanks, Dan. Uh, good morning, all. Uh, for those following on the slide deck, I'm on slide 17. Centera recorded $251 million in revenue during the quarter, consisting of the Mount Milligan mine, the Oxford mine, and a molybdenum business unit. Revenue consisted of $136 million in gold sales and $62 million in copper sales and $52 million from our molybdenum business unit. In the quarter, our continued operations sold 90,312 ounces of gold, 58,642,000 ounces from, from the Milligan mine, and 31,670 uh, gold ounces attributable to Oxford mine. We also sold 17.2 million pounds of copper in the quarter. For the 2021 year, our continuing operation sold 314,757 ounces of gold, a 21% increase year on year, this representing the upper end of our 2021 guidance. We, we also sold 78 million pounds of copper, a 3% decrease at the Mamilligan mine. This is attributable to the 16% decrease in copper grades processed during the quarter, during the year. This was positively offset by the 4% additional tons processed and the higher level of inventory held at the start of 2021. During the quarter, the company's operations average gold price realised was $1,504 per ounce and $3.59 per pound of copper. This incorporates the existing stream arrangement over the Mount Milligan mine. Cash provided by operating activities from continued operations was 61.8 million for the quarter and 271 million for the year. Free cash flow from operations for the quarter was 38.7 million and 178.4 million for the year. At an operational level, the Mount Milligan mine generated 46 million in free cash flow for the quarter and 201 million for the year. The Oxford mine in the quarter generated 35 million in free cash flow and 112 million for the year. The Oxford mine is now in the higher grade gold sequencing. This highlighted by the 2022 guidance with up to 240,000 ounces of gold to be produced. The adjusted net earnings per share was 12 cents for the quarter and 79 cents for the full year. I've been now speaking to slide 18. The net earnings from continued operations was 274.9 million in the quarter with 35.4 million in adjusted net earnings. The earnings in the quarter attributable to operations were 50.9 million contributed from the Mount Milligan mine, 38.7 million contributed from the Oxford mine and a 1.2 million loss from the Molybdenum business unit. During the year and for the quarter, there were several adjustment, adjusting items of significance that are noted on this slide. I will speaking to the, I'll be only speaking to the quarterly adjusting items. Firstly, the Mount Milligan mine in Pamman reversal net of tax recorded of 117.3 million. An initial impairment was recorded in Q3 2019. Since then, the Mount Milligan mine has improved and uh, has improved with sustainable performance with a reduction in both mining and milling costs on a unit, from a unit basis. This together with the increase in underlying resources and the long-term copper and gold price increases, Sintera has made the decision with confidence to reverse the impairment. We look forward to sharing the new Mount Milligan technical report in Q of this year, together with the three-year consolidated guidance update. Secondly, the gain on sale of the Greenstone property. An additional 25 million gain was recorded in the quarter the trigger event being the construction decision made by Orion Resources and its JV partners. 
This amount is due and payable to Centera no later than December 2023. Centera has not recorded the additional consideration that is attached to the production milestones of the Greenstone project. Thirdly, the income and mining tax adjustments of $132.7 million was recorded. This is in connection to the Mount Milligan mine, now recording a deferred tax asset given the confidence management now has on income generation from the Mount Milligan mine and the company using a three-year forward-look realisation approach. The other adjusting items representing a combination of reclamation provision expense driven by the accounting standards and the need to apply current underlying discount rates together with the legal and other costs associated with the Comptoff file. I'll now move to slide 19. From a cost perspective, Centera's continued operations in the quarter recorded production cost of $550 per ounce of gold and for the year, 604 per ounce sold. All in sustaining costs on a byproduct basis of $591 per ounce was recorded in the quarter and $649 per ounce for the year. At an asset level for the full year, Mount Milligan recorded all in sustaining costs on a byproduct basis of $500 per ounce outperforming the 2021 guidance range of 530 to 580 per ounce. Oxid recorded all-in sustaining cost of $668 per ounce for the year, also outperforming the 2021 guidance range of $730 to $780 per ounce. The company exited 2021 with a cash balance of $947 million, the board declaring a quarterly dividend of $0.07 per share. I would like to draw your attention to the bottom left-hand chart. I would note in 2021, the free cash flow was 178 million. We see this growing uh, to 220 million in 2022 using a $1,700 gold price and a $4 copper price at that midpoint. Obviously conservative pricing, obviously conservative in this current price environment. Based on our sensitivity analysis disclosed in January 18 release, press release, a $100 increment in gold price movement will generate an additional $35 million in cash for Centera. Finally, the bottom right-hand chart, noting the 2022 column, our fully loaded or all-in cost is $725 per ounce of gold. Therefore, for each ounce of gold produced, a very healthy margin. With that, I'll pass it back to Scott. Thanks, Darren. Um, so just referencing uh, slide 21, uh, just to recap, you know, as we announced this past Tuesday, um, you know, an important development here at Centera is the acquisition of the Goldfield District project. Uh, I think this is going to be important to the organization moving forward, just being one of our key sources of organic growth here over the medium term. In terms of the transaction and the, uh, the rationale, uh, you can see as per the slide, we're acquiring this project for some $175 million US uh, in cash with a further milestone payment of $31.5 million uh, in cash for Centera shares at our election. The $175 million in cash obviously means that our share count will not be growing. And so in terms of the, uh, you know, the value proposition here, and the, um, you know, we expect this to be a, uh, an accretive transaction, especially when you think about how we're increasing our shareholders' uh, gold exposure, you know, be it resources, future reserves, or future uh, incremental production. Um, a lot of strategic rationale in terms of uh, pursuing this project, and you can see that illustrated on the, on the slide here. Uh, firstly, we think this adds a high-quality development project to our pipeline. It's a conventional open-pit heat, heat leach project, very similar to our operational Oxford gold mine. Uh, we expect this to be a meaningful source of future low-cost production. And in terms of future uh, construction, we would certainly note that this project should have low capital intensity, similar to our experience with our operational Oxford uh, gold mining operation in Turkey. Um, you can see it's going to improve our geographic profile. Uh, the project is located in Nevada, which is deemed a tier one mining jurisdiction. And importantly for Centera, this is going to favorably uh, sort of reposition uh, our portfolio just in terms of our geopolitical risk profile. And I would like to think that's going to support a, uh, you know, a robust valuation moving forward just in terms of our valuation uh, multiples. Uh, in terms of the work done to date by, by the vendor, um, I would say it's been, uh, you know, very, very high quality. And one of the things we've certainly noticed uh, and noted is there's a lot of, uh, you know, strong support uh, in terms of the communities, in terms of the county, and uh, in terms of the regulators and the agencies. So 
we do expect to be establishing a, a strong license to operate here. One of the, uh, you know, the important aspects here in terms of the industrial logic is it allows us to leverage our existing operating expertise. So as we've commented uh, previously, we see this being very similar to our Oxford uh, gold mine in Turkey, and that's going to allow us to leverage a lot of our exploration, development, and operating expertise, and, and again, hopefully replicate that success that we had with Oxford and replicate that here with the Goldfield District Project. Um, second last uh, sort of row here, just in terms of the uh, exploration uh, potential, we, we, we think it is significant. Uh, it is a large land package, and in terms of the overall endowment here uh, in the history, it has produced some 4 million ounces of gold. Uh, we think it is still underexplored. We have a number of uh, drill-ready targets that we'll be pursuing, and our objective here is to be uh, expanding the known deposits and extending the mine life, and that'll certainly be a key focus here in 2022. And just lastly, we, we know this project well. We, we have been evaluating this since uh, 2020. The level of due diligence that we have uh, undertaken here, it has been quite extensive, and that obviously uh, you know, underpins our confidence in, uh, in, in the overall sort of uh, opportunity here. In terms of this year, I think some of the key milestones, that, uh, sorry, in the, uh, over the next 18 months, some of the key milestones we'll be pursuing uh, with the Goldfield District Project is in the first half of 2023, we'll be uh, publishing a Sintera authored uh, resource for the uh, property, and thereafter we'll be publishing a feasibility study and, and moving this project forward so, so it's in a position for a, a potential construction uh, decision. So overall, I think it's a, an attractive value proposition. We're, we're very excited about this, and particularly so because this will represent our next source of organic growth for Sintera uh, in the medium term. Just moving on to uh, slide 22, just my, my final slide. Really what I've just highlighted on this slide, just in the bottom right-hand corner, uh, as Darren spoke to, it was a, a very good year uh, in terms of free cash flow generation. You can see the column on the far right. We generated some $178 million of positive free cash flow. And we're really looking forward to this year. Um, you know, obviously our, our gold production, we've got good organic growth. Our, our gold production is growing by 30 to 40%. And just given the current metal price environment, that should certainly, uh, you know, make for another strong year in terms of free cash flow. Uh, again, in terms of the upper end of our guidance, we're guiding for up to $250 million of positive free cash flow. And that level of profitability and cash flow generation, that's going to certainly, you know, underpin our, um, you know, peer leading balance sheet. And uh, likewise, our investment in gold, in, uh, in Goldfield District Project. So again, I think we're well positioned and in, in great stead for a, another year of strong performance at Sintera. With that, I'm going to conclude our prepared remarks. And uh, Dina, if I can pass it back over to you just to facilitate the Q&A session, please. Of course. If you'd like to register a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the 1 followed by the 3. Once again, to register for a question over the phone lines, please press the 1 followed by the 4. And it's just going to be a moment for the first question. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
Our first question is coming from the line of Fahad Tariq with Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, can you touch a little bit on how you're thinking about capital allocation? I mean, I think you touched on this right at the end of your presentation. You know, the balance sheet has $900 million of cash. Um, the recent acquisition costs around $200 million with another $200 million of CapEx. Like, there's still quite a bit of capacity to maybe raise the dividend, do buybacks, um, maybe even further acquisitions. Just, just any thought, thoughts on how you're thinking about um, you know, the balance sheet and how to potentially uh, you know, leverage some of that cash? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Fahad. Um, you know, we, we certainly recognize that the balance sheet's in a very strong position. And in terms of that cash balance, you could advocate that it's surplus to our sort of medium-term requirements moving forward. And that's something that myself and the board, you know, we're cognizant of. Um, we have been having a number of discussions around sort of potential shareholder-friendly uh, capital return initiatives. In the past, we've always been primarily focused on our dividend distributions. And if you look back over the last sort of two-year period, you know, we increased our dividend to $0.04 cents per share per quarter, then to $0.05 cents per share per quarter. And, and then you know, most recently, we've increased it to $0.07 cents per share per quarter. Um, there will continue to be uh, discussions and deliberations uh, on that with the board. Um, you know, we certainly have the opportunity to look at increasing our dividend distributions even more so. But we also, you know, we, we debate and we deliberate on, uh, you know, potential uh, share count reduction initiatives, you know, all, all the way, you know, considering things in terms of a, a normal cost issue a bit, or do we do something more substantial in terms of a, a substantial issue a bit. So we'll continue to evaluate these things, but, um, you know, the one thing that dictates the timeline around all of this is we're waiting until we've uh, resolved um, the situation uh, with, with the government of uh, Kyrgyzstan. Um, as I mentioned at the, you know, at the outset of the call, uh, you know, progress is, is pretty good there in, in terms of the negotiations around finalizing the global settlement agreement. But it's not until we've uh, um, you know, fully resolved that situation that we'll be able to actually embark on any sort of you know, meaningful capital return initiative. The reason being, um, you know, they, the government of um, Kyrgyzstan, you know, through their uh, agency, Kobe Zoldan, they are a 26% shareholder uh, in Sintera. So we want to wait until we've resolved uh, that shareholding, and thereafter I think that will put us in a, a good position to, to really embark on uh, those evaluations and discussions around you know, what we could be doing uh, incrementally in terms of capital return initiatives. Okay. Um, okay, and then just switching gears to Goldfield, um, can you just give us a rough idea of timeline? Like what are some milestones maybe in 2022? Yeah, so look, over the next 18 months, we're in what we call the, uh, the definition phase uh, around the project. And so if I look at uh, this year, for example, we're going to be uh, extensively focusing on uh, infill drilling uh, as well as our exploration investments. All of that work will be going into and you know, supporting a, uh, a property resource update that we'll be looking to publish in the, uh, the first half of 2023. Uh, in parallel, the, the technical team will be you know, commencing uh, work on, you know, detailed engineering, um, you know, water studies as well as other technical aspects, you know, metallurgical test work, et cetera. And a lot of that work will then support a, uh, a new feasibility study for the project. And that feasibility study itself will then support a new technical report for the property. And, um, you know, the reason we're doing all of that is we want to make sure that we're positioning the project for a, uh, a construction decision over the next 18 months. Uh, you know, assuming we do get that uh, construction decision and, uh, you know, a positive approval from the board, you know, in terms of sanctioning uh, the construction of the project, we're then looking at a, a two-year construction uh, timeline. So, again, really the key uh, sort of um, catalyst here uh, for HUD is uh, a resource update in the first half of 2023, and then shortly thereafter we'll be publishing the, uh, the feasibility study for the property. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Scott. Our next question is coming from the line of Dalton Barreto with Canaccord. Please go ahead. Thanks, operator. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Scott, congratulations on the uh, Goldfields acquisition. And, yeah, it looks good from my perspective. I just want to follow up on that previous line of questioning there. there there's some parameters out in the public domain that were put out there by the vendor. And I'm just wondering 
how much can we rely on those parameters in terms of resource size and grade, in terms of kind of mine life and annual production, just those sorts of metrics? Thank you. Yeah, you know, look, Dalton, when we did our, um, you know, all of our due diligence and what have you, and all the evaluations we've been doing over the last, you know, 18 months to nearly two years, you know, obviously we, we relied on, you know, the work that the, uh, the vendor's technical team has done, and they've done a lot of good work. But what we're seeing is, uh, is a larger opportunity, uh, especially in terms of the, uh, the indicative or the conceptual resource. And that's something we're going to be you know, quite focused on. You know, a lot of our investment this year, as I mentioned earlier, is focused on our sort of exploration programs that we're already um, sort of drafting, if you will, or preparing, but also a lot of uh, infill drilling as well. And you know, ultimately what we think we're going to be preparing here is a, is a larger uh, hopefully a larger resource for the property and, and thereafter a, uh, a more optimized uh, feasibility study. So I understand your question. I, I want to put forward that you shouldn't rely on um, any previous technical studies because we're looking to uh, optimize a lot of those studies. And, and again, you know, if we do have success with the drill bit, uh, that, that's obviously going to result in a different sort of uh, profile as well. So hopefully that answers your question, Dalton. Okay, that makes sense. That also segues into my next question. So I understand that this project is fully permitted, which is um, a huge win in the U.S. As you go about uh, optimizing, as you put it, how much like, will you put that permit at risk, or is everything you're going to do within the constraints of that permit? No, I would say, um, you know, more likely than not, we're going to have to uh, up update some of those permits. Um, which is, you know, there's, there's, a, there's mechanisms for that, and I would put forward that should be a, a relatively routine process. Um, you can imagine in terms of our evaluations and our diligence and what have you, we have had interactions with, uh, you know, the, loca the local county, the, the regulators, the agencies, et cetera. We do see good support for this project and for the, uh, you know, the conceptual development here. So I, I would not see that as a, as a issue of high concern. We think there's very good support for this, and. Likewise, in terms of the permits that are that are already in place, uh, I, I think we're just going to be we're going to be looking at amendments. Um, but you know, we just have to wait and see how things go over the next 18 months with you know the overall resource and the conceptual design and you know what what we, what we are going to be seeing here, you know, in terms of Sintera being the operator. Okay, great. And then just maybe switching gears with one last question. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the surplus cash, if you will, over the medium term, and you mentioned shareholder returns. Is M&A completely off the table now? Um, you know, from, from my perspective, I think, you know, the, we, we consider ourselves pretty fortunate to have uh, acquired this Goldfield District project. And so when I think about our focus here over the medium term, I think we're just going to be very focused on, uh, you know, execution. Obviously, at Oxford and Mount Milligan, we've got a pretty compelling year here in terms of you know organic growth and our gold production profile and the, you know the resultant profitability and free cash flow. But then you know the team, we're going to be very focused on you know moving forward what we believe is going to be our next source of organic growth in terms of the Goldfield District project. So I would see a lot of our focus uh, being on that front. The, the thing, what I find most challenging personally when I try and think about inorganic growth is just you know the current gold price environment. It's, it's a pretty strong gold price. Uh, valuations reflect that accordingly, and so it, it's really difficult when you think about, you know, potential um, inorganic growth opportunities. It, it's difficult, you know, in terms of identifying ones that can, you know, meaningfully create shareholder value. I think we were fortunate with this one. We, we see a pretty compelling uh, value proposition here on the Goldfield District project, but they're few and far uh, between. And look, having, having said all of that, I think as and when we do, uh, you know, um, resolve the situation with uh, Kyrgyzstan and, you know, um, clean up the, the, the share capital structure and compress our share count, I think Sintera is going to be, uh, you know, a very clean um, organization. And, you know, potentially we have, you know, a peer-leading balance sheet, we've got a very low cost profile, we've got organic growth in front of us. So, you know, if opportunities are presented to Sintera, we would obviously, uh, you know, consider those. Uh, in, in line with our sort of fiduciary obligations, and if there's something compelling there, then you know we would engage accordingly. But uh, I'm giving you a long answer, Dalton. But I, I, I think just in terms of the status quo, I think a lot of our focus is going to be uh, on the Goldfield District project here uh, over the short to medium term. Thanks. That's helpful, Scott. I'll jump back and give.
Our next question is coming from the line of Mike Delonen with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, good morning, Scott, Dan, and Darren. And uh, that's uh, a lot of my questions on uh, Jim Fiddler answered, so I'll skip to the, the Mount Milligan study coming out, I guess. Scott, uh, thanks for the, uh, the breakdown of the reserves and the resources. Very impressive M&I resource increase. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, basically, in 2021, Mount Milligan mined uh, processed 0.46 grams per ton gold, as you know. The grade of the deposit, 0.38, and the grade of the M&I is 0.31. So it seems to me that the grade, we come up with a new plan, reserves go up, grade will come down. To maintain production, is Sentara look? If I'm right with those assumptions, is Sentara looking at expanding uh, Mount Milligan's processing capacity to keep production steady? Thanks. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks for the question, Mike. Um, we right now we are not envisioning uh, expanding the uh, capacity uh, of, of the mill facility uh, in terms of the sort of go forward, uh, you know, gold production profile and copper production profile, um, we, we see it being, you know, relatively uniform uh, year over year, and, and you'll see that as and when we finalize um, the new 4301 and we can publish that. Um, look, having said all of that, though, I just, um, Dan, is there anything that you'd want to sort of put forward just in terms of responding to uh, Mike? <clears throat> Mike, it's an excellent question. Uh, Mike, I guess two things. One is, yeah, the, the 43101 that we'll put out it will be within our, our permitted, which is 60,000 tons uh, per day. So uh, we won't be envisioning it in, in that. Um, but we are doing uh, some scoping studies right now uh, to see if there is an opportunity to either de-bottleneck and have a slight increase in, in our throughput or, or can we bolt on, uh, you know, a gold plant or, or even uh, you know substantially increases the throughput. So we're we're in the middle of that right now for the next uh, say six months, uh, um, just to to take a look because as you indicated, as as we increase the reserve uh, resources, um, you know is that opportunity there? Um, but right now with the high um, the excellent productivity that Carol and her team are are getting both in operational activity and also cost control, uh, we. Uh, we can we can see ourselves uh, making a, a good return even as the in the grade has lowered a little bit. Okay, well, thanks for that and good luck. And Scott, I'll be happy to buy you a beer in the lobby bar next Monday night. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Next question coming from the line of Mike Parkin with National Bank. Please go ahead. Hey guys, uh, most of the my questions have been asked, but going back to gold fields, I recognize that, you know, the old study you don't want us to kind of rely on, but is the, the strip ratio of that project proposed, given that you're kind of starting off, you know, the same area, is it kind of fair to assume that a strip ratio in and around that kind of level could be maintained with your early thoughts on the, what you're thinking? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, it's it's hard for me to really respond to that because you know again we're we're going to be optimizing uh, a lot of those studies <clears throat> and and you know investing quite a bit in uh, infill drilling and sort of exploration drilling that's focused on potentially expanding uh, you know each of the three deposits uh, and more. And so then you know we have to sit down with all that uh, information we're getting with the drill bit and you know really look really look at uh, you know optimizing these studies and really look at how we're you know sequencing and phasing the development. So I, I don't really want to talk to um, you know strip ratios or in situ reserve grades or productivities or, or what have you. I think what I would be comfortable saying is that we think this is going to be quite similar to uh, Oxa. That, that's that's the kind of look and feel. That, that we kind of have based on, you know, all our evaluations and all our modeling to date. But um, I just don't want to get ahead of the, get ahead of the resource update and the feasibility study that we will be uh, offering and publishing. Right. I can appreciate that. And one last question on it, though, is in terms of what is secured in terms of permits for water access, is that a limiting factor? And is that something that one of the amendments that you're looking to make uh, would be looking to address if it sounds like you know potentially the scale 
of this project could be bigger than envisioned by the previous owner, and that would thus kind of suggest that you need additional water access. No, we, we looked at that pretty extensively. That was a, a key focus, um, you know, along with other facets. And um, I think, as I mentioned on Tuesday, you know, we even invested in, a, in a additional hydrology drilling. We did a, a three-day uh, water testing of the uh, identified aquifer. Um, you know, that, that aquifer is uh, permitted uh, already. Um, and also, um, you know, the project or the vendor, they already have uh, water supply agreements uh, in place with, with the county and, and the state. And, you know, coming out of that three-day water test that we invested in, um, we were able to, you know, validate or substantiate that it does supply uh, sufficient water in, term, in terms of what the uh, project would require, you know, in terms of our kind of envisioned uh, production profile scenarios. And, yeah, so we were quite satisfied uh, in that regard. And <clears throat> if I haven't mentioned already, um, the project already does have uh, water right permits, and, yeah, we, we deem them sufficient. Okay, uh, super. Thank you, guys. That's it for me. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Next question is coming from the line of Anita Sony with CIBC World Markets. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, so thanks for taking my questions. So firstly, on Kumtor, I just wanted to understand in terms of the negotiations, you know, outside of the cancellation of shares that you're talking about and, um, you know, relinquishing uh, Kumtor um, to the Kyrgyz government, is there any else? Anything else that we should be thinking about? I know there were significant tax obligations, and I think there were some environmental um, allegations. Would those all go away as well, or you know, would there be something outstanding that we would also need to be thinking about? <clears throat> yeah, Anita, so um, I think we put out a press release on January 3rd where we just updated the market on what are the key sort of commercial aspects that have been negotiated, and, and that all remains the same. There's no change to that. Uh, what we've been doing since that initial round of negotiations is we've now passed it over to our respective legal advisors, and they're now, um, you know, documenting and, and papering up the whole deal and, and, you know, putting together what we call a global settlement agreement. Um, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the work right now, a lot of the, uh, the negotiations is around the mechanics in terms of how would each party um, uh, terminate and cancel, you know, any, any legal claims or what have you that have, that have been brought forward. As, as part of this whole uh, dispute. So um, that all results in a number of um, conditions precedent to uh, closing that would need to be satisfied. And so on the, on the, on the Kyrgyz side, as, as, you, as you referenced, you know, any civil claims, any criminal claims, any environmental claims, you know, all of those would have to be uh, terminated uh, permanently. And then likewise mm -hmm. on the Sinterra side, you know, in terms of the legal actions that we've launched, you know, for example, the international arbitration, the Chapter 11 proceedings, uh, we would have to uh, terminate those proceedings as well, um, you know, prior to closing. So that's really what we're working on now is just agreeing on all the mechanics, et cetera. And it's something, it's a sensitivity uh, for both sides perhaps, but definitely for ourselves because I think as I've commented before, we absolutely want this to be a, a clean exit. And so that's what we're, uh, you know, very focused on right now. And as and when we're, we're satisfied in that regard, that's when we'll be in a position to uh, sign the deal and uh, announce it accordingly. Okay, um, and then the second question was uh, uh, just another follow-up on Mount Milligan. So, I just you know, there's been a, a few moving parts. We had a you know a resequencing of uh, the plan, and I think that resulted in slightly lower production this year. Um, and then I, I'm just um, trying to understand um, you know why, really, on the life of mine plan that you're putting out in the technical report that you're putting out. You know, wh wh why was that necessitated, and what are you hoping to achieve on that? And as Mike referenced, with the um, the, the lower reserve grade or the lower resource grade, you know, if you're if you said that the, the grades are going to remain similar, when would they come down to the the resource grade or the reserve grade? Because presumably that would have to eventually happen. Yeah, Dan, do you want to uh, respond to that, please? 
I, I can certainly take a shot at it. Um, c- certainly, um, as we sequenced this past year, as we did our drilling, um, we, we realized that we, there's a good chance we're going to be expanding the pit in uh, a number of different directions and a depth. So, so we did uh, change our locations. There are a couple places in the mine that are higher in copper and lower in gold and vice versa. A couple places where it's quite a bit higher in gold and lower in copper. So that, that, that really changed the sequencing over these next couple of years in anticipation of what we probably see is the, uh, is, you know, new, new hull roads, new, uh, new pit designs and, and access to these areas. In terms of the grade that will be in the reserves, I, 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 we don't have those, those numbers yet in terms of what will convert from resource to reserve. But we, we are seeing that with the higher productivity, the higher recoveries and the lower costs, that um, we're certainly able to uh, to have good financial results, uh, for, you know, with that added productivity, which will be incorporated into the uh, the new life of mine. Okay, um, thanks. And I, I just um, I get one last question on that, though. Uh, on the op, the op costs are coming down, so that's helping you get a lower cutoff rate. I, I'm understanding that, but. When you look, when you think about things like the sustaining capital associated with that, is that included when you're when you're thinking about the reserves when you do your um, sort of break-even analysis? I know lots of companies have different policies on that. I just want to understand what yours is. No, I absolutely uh, yes. Okay, All right. Thank you. Our next question is coming from the line of Trevor Turnbull with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, maybe just uh, sticking with Dan to follow up a little bit more on Mount Milligan. I was just curious um, if you could make any comment. You did talk about how the pit's likely going to be expanding in several directions and at depth, um, and obviously uh, we're hoping for good reserve conversion given the size of the resource increase. Uh, but can you talk about how the general um, strip ratio may change relative to what we've seen? I mean, it's certainly possible to expand the pit and kind of maintain the same type of strip ratio, but I wondered if, if there was reason to think that might change. And then the follow-up to that, I guess, is how do we feel about tailings capacity? Um, is that something that's easy to expand, or do you have to look for new areas? And then finally, the long-term water plan, is that – Maybe just remind me where you're at on the on the long-term water plan, please. Okay, thank you. Um, well, let, let's start uh, with the strip ratio again. We don't we don't have the final reserve uh, pit yet, but um, it, there, the strip ratio of Mount Milligan is very low, um, so there, there there will not be a material ch- change in that. that I would not envision. Um, in terms of tailings, uh, as as probably most uh, people know, we we did reduce the uh, the life of the mine two years ago, and um, you know with this additional uh, resource and the, with the new pit, I, I I don't believe we'd be looking at any uh, at this time. We, we're not going to be expanding beyond uh, what we had originally permitted uh, before. So I, there won't be a tailings requirement there. But, but at some point in time, if we were to continue to expand uh, the reserving resources, um, there is air, there is space uh, near mine that you could have either uh, a, a second tailings or uh, there, there would be a limit of how high you could raise it up. In, in terms of long-term water, you know, we've, uh, we're in a very excellent position right now. We're still we're still in the area of about four and a half million cubic meters of water through the winter. We hardly dropped at all. Uh, because we have additional aquifer water that we've been pulling in, so we're we're very comfortable, and uh, we continue to do exploration drilling for additional aquifer water, which seems to be uh, very successful so far. On the on the long term uh, water potential of taking some surface, we did get our as we indicated in the presentation our environmental. Um, with the environmental permits um, uh, in January, um, and we continue to work on submitting uh, all of the information required with our partners in order to be able to uh, move that forward if it's if it's required. Um, right, right now, as I indicated, we, you know we're at a very stable uh, situation with uh, with the uh, subsurface aquifer water and um, 
And so we, we feel we're in a very strong position. And if we do require, which we have been taking water, uh, although a limited amount this last summer, uh, we took 3 million cubic meters of water from a local uh, creek, uh, but we were permitted for six and we stopped because we, <coughs> we had enough. So uh, again, we're, we're just working our way through that process, but so far it's been very positive and our First Nation partners and the regulators have been uh, working with us very closely. Okay, I appreciate that. That's all I had. Thanks, guys. And our last question in queue is a follow-up question coming from the line of Delton Barreto with Canaccord. Please go ahead. Actually, operator, all of my questions have been answered. Thank you. No further questions at this time. Okay, thanks, operator. And again, thank you, everyone, for joining our call. And uh, we wish everyone a good day and look forward to uh, engaging and speaking uh, in due course here moving forward. Thanks, everyone. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.